والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا وشفيعنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين رب شرح لي صدري ويسل لي أمري وحل لقدة من لساني يفقه قولي بعد Respected elders, your brothers and sisters, my young friends, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. We begin by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Lord of the universe, our creator, our nourisher, our designer, our sustainer. And we begin by sending peace and salutations upon his beloved and final messenger, Muhammad, the son of Abdullah, sallallahu alayhi I hope and pray, my brothers and sisters, that you are all well by the mercy and grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always keep you safe. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always keep you together and in an increasing state of iman. Ameen, ya Rabbil Alameen. Three years ago, my brothers and sisters, a gentleman in my neighborhood stepped outside his door to go to work like many others were doing that morning. He had only taken a few steps when he slipped on black ice that he did not realize was there. And he broke his neck and he became paralyzed instantly. And subhanAllah, he could not even move his finger. And his state was that he fell so badly and broke his neck so badly that he became paralyzed to the extent that he was not even able to move a finger. And his life, subhanAllah, completely changed in an instant. And it's mind-boggling sometimes when I try to, you know, imagine that experience where, you know, a person is in a particular state of mind, focused, following their routine, getting ready, dressed to go to work, rushing out the door. And subhanAllah, you know, like their, their entire day is ahead of them, their entire year, their life is ahead of them. And then it's, it's literally one second. And they slip and they fall. And his life is completely changed. And it took him four months, but he was able to walk again, alhamdulillah. And through the entire ordeal, uh, it was covered in the media as well, he stayed very positive and was determined not to let that situation pull him down. And this is just one example, my brothers and sisters, of how the things that we take for granted, right, especially our bodies and our health, how they can change drastically and very, very quickly. Right? As the Prophet wasallam has told us that there are two blessings you know that most people are uh, you know neglectful of uh, are distracted from or who don't you know they, they they don't value them they take them for granted right and among them is health right so free time right so free time and our health may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all when faced with challenges we are from time to time faced with challenges, many of which are not in our control. We take solace in the fact that patience in the face of difficulty and adversity is greatly rewarded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah Azza wa Jalla tells us in Surah Al-Baqarah, Be sure we shall test you with something of fear and hunger, some loss in goods or lives or bodies or the fruits of your toil. But give glad tidings to those who patiently persevere. Right? So this is a given that we will face tests. Most people will face tests 
right, in their lives. Or perhaps those who think they are not being tested will be tested in ways in which they don't realize that they're being tested. But the point is that everyone is going to be tested in one way or the other. But give glad tidings to those who patiently persevere, the people of Sabah. They are those who say when afflicted with calamity, They remember Allah. When they're afflicted with calamity, they remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They say to Allah we belong and to Him is our return. They are those on whom descend blessings from Allah. What happens? These are the people of Musibah. They are afflicted with Musibah, with calamity. And they respond by remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they exert patience. And what does Allah tell us about them? They are those on whom descends the blessings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alayhim salawatun min rabbihim wa rahmah and mercy. And they're the ones that receive guidance. وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُهْتَدُونَ so if you want to be from the people who are guided, if you want to be the ones who are given the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you want the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to descend upon you, then when calamity strikes, when disaster strikes, when a difficulty strikes, say, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'oon. Remember Allah that you came from Him, that you will return to Him, and be those who patiently persevere. So these are some of the ways, my brothers and sisters, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests us. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests us in different ways. Now we know that Allah azza wa jalla has given every single one of us different abilities and strengths. Every single person has different abilities and strengths. No human being is 100% in everything. No human being is 100% in 100% of what they have. Right? Every single person has some abilities and strengths and others have different abilities and strengths. So for example, some of us may have better eyesight than others. Others may have you know, more physical strength, more uh, uh, you know, mental strength and stamina. Right? Uh, or you know, uh, or uh, physical strength and stamina. Mentally, some of us may be better than others in some areas, uh, uh, other than, uh, more than others. So for example... You know, somebody is, for, for example, not very good at math, but then they're good at writing or they're good at, you know, some other skill. Uh, and another person is good at math, but maybe they're not good at communicating or at writing. So naturally, when we excel and have an advantage over others in some areas, it also means, because you see what happens is, that when we're good at something, we like to focus on what we're good at. I would say, oh, I'm very intelligent. I'm very good at this. I'm very good at that. I'm very good looking. I have this. I have that. However, it also means that we have some weaknesses as well because no one's going to be 100%. No one's going to be 100%. So if we're good at something, then that also means naturally we're going to have some weaknesses as well. And sometimes these weaknesses can extend a bit more than what we as a society are used to. Okay? There are some weaknesses that are within you know, a, a spectrum which is, uh, which is common to most people. And if, it, if the weakness falls within that spectrum then it is considered to be something which is uh, normal, which is ordinary, something which happens. But when it goes beyond what we, we, we beyond that spectrum or what we are used to, quite frankly, then we refer to it as a society as a disability. We refer to it as a disability. You know, a person, for example, you know, may have weakened eyesight. Many people have weakened eyesight. 
it's nothing new. Many people have to wear glasses, have, you know, get corruption, uh, laser corruption, or, you know, they wear contact lenses and so on. So many of us have weakened eyesight. But when it reaches a certain point of weakness, then we refer to it as legal blindness. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that a person is totally blind, but their vision loss is beyond a certain point. So it is categorized as blindness. And thus, a disability can affect a, us physically or mentally. Right? Sometimes it is visible, other times it, not, it may not be so visible. And these can come at the times of birth. They can come at a young age. Sometimes they can come, come much later at life, uh, in life, as I mentioned uh, about the, you know, the, the gentleman in our neighborhood. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the designer, the planner, the one who has decided our, uh, our journey for us or who has, uh, who has a plan for us. And sometimes that uh, disability or, or that particular weakness is written to begin at the time of birth sometimes at a young age, sometimes much later in life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides. Now we are having this discussion today because uh, yesterday, December 3rd, was the International Day of Persons with Disabilities as declared by the United Nations in 1982. So this is an annual observance. And there's a, a, a very important organization. We're very blessed to have this organization as part of the Muslim community, the Canadian Association of Muslims with Disabilities. So they have done tremendous work in raising awareness and, and trying to uh, arrange for and establish services and programs for our brothers and sisters uh, with disabilities. So they run this annual uh, campaign, this khutbah campaign, to raise awareness and educate our community, to get the masajid and the Islamic centers in the schools, uh, to help the Muslim community understand disability from an Islamic perspective. So let us talk, look at some facts. So globally, at least 10% of people have disabilities. So 10% are persons with disabilities. In Canada, approximately 4 million uh, people have disabilities. Um, and just taking a sample from around the Muslim world, uh, Pakistan, approximately 20 million people, Egypt, approximately 12 million, uh, 1 million approximately in Algeria, just to name a few. Now, when we look at disability, and when we look at persons with disabilities in the Islamic tradition, we notice a few things. And the first one is, that the challenges faced due to disabilities do not go unrewarded. Right? And this is the first thing to realize. For the person who has the disability and also for those who are helping them, those who are caring for them. First one, first, uh, and this is in two ways. So number one, through the expiation of sins. So Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu anhu reported that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said that whenever a Muslim is afflicted, with a hardship, and we've heard this hadith many times, with a hardship, a sickness, a sadness, a worry, a harm, a depression, even the pricking of a thorn, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expiates their sins because of it. Right? So it is, basically the point that we get is that for any hardship, for any worry, for any stress, physical or mental that we face and that we experience, there is always something in return for the believer. So that's number one. And number two, if we deal with it with patience and perseverance, with sabah, then there are bad tidings, as we discussed earlier. So two ways that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, ensures that the, uh, the difficulties that are faced due to challenges, especially in this case, since we're talking about disabilities, they do not go unrewarded. So that's number one. So there's a lot of hope. And secondly, 
the manner in which we deal with persons with disabilities. You know, I, uh, I, I remember uh, very clearly, I like to, and I actually remember this friend of mine in university, um, in journalism school, one of my best friends, who was not a Muslim, by the way. He was a young man who was born with disabilities. So it was very inspiring. It was very, very inspiring to be with him. You know, I would, I would accompany him around campus and we would spend time together during our breaks and so on. And subhanAllah, you know, this disability affected both his hands, both of his feet, both of his hands and both of his feet. Therefore, he needed to use a wheelchair to get around. And he was not able to control that, that, that uh, you know, uh, that wheelchair, uh, you know, normally with his hands because, you know, his hands uh, were also affected. And he would use a, a, a stick in his mouth to type and to press buttons, right? So when he had to do assignments, uh, whether it was in school or whether you know, it was at home, but he had a, a stick that he would hold with his mouth that he would be able to pull out from, uh, from beside him on his wheelchair and he would use that stick to type uh, and to do assignments. And yes, he was studying journalism like everyone else in the school. And he mentioned how a lot of times people would be afraid to approach him or will avoid him. You know, so for example, if he was standing, if he was, uh, you know, if he was uh, waiting at the bus stop for the shuttle bus to go from one campus to the other, um, you know, like people will be lining up for the bus, but everyone just sort of try to stay away from him. Or if he got onto the bus, you know, through the, with the ramp, um, you know, people would keep their distance. Uh, and he would, he said that, you know, they would act like as if it was contagious, as if his disability was contagious, that if they got close to him, that somehow you know it would also affect them, which of course, affect them, which of course was not the case. So you know, in a lot of cultures, sadly, persons with disabilities are shunned, disregarded, ignored, pushed to the fringes of society, and this is not how it should be. When we look at the guidance given by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, we find total acceptance and support of persons with disabilities. Now, of course, we live uh, you know in times and countries where, alhamdulillah, there are many uh, rules and uh, regulations, legislation. Uh, regarding uh, you know uh, equality, uh, regarding accessibility, so this is uh, you know very good, alhamdulillah, that we have those things, but they're not universal and they're not everywhere. And more importantly, it should not, we should not need a law or a rule to compel us to to be inclusive and to to um, to include uh, uh, and and make our uh, you know our facilities accessible and our hearts really open. To persons with disabilities. So when we look at the at the guidance given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we find total acceptance and support for persons with disabilities. And there is of course the story, the famous story of the Sahabi of the companion of the Prophet وسلم, named Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum Now we know many times when we are trying to focus on a task, when we you know we don't like being disturbed, we don't like being interrupted when we are uh, you know partaking, when we are involved in something that's that's very serious, that's very important. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, you know, was speaking to some leaders of the Quraysh, and this importance, of course, or this feeling of not wanting to be disturbed, especially more so when we're talking to someone, um, and, and especially someone important about an important topic. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was speaking to some leaders of the Quraysh, of the Quraysh tribe, who had not accepted Islam about matters of belief, and it was a rare opportunity. It's an opportunity to invite them to Islam to clarify, you know, misconceptions. Uh, to uh, deliver the message to them. So it was, it was a special, a rare opportunity. And while the Prophet ﷺ was having this important discussion, Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum anhu, who happened to be blind, came and he bursted into the circle. He, burst, he bursted into that gathering. 
And according to commentators of the Quran, he repeatedly asked for enlightenment uh, about a particular question that he had. Now, in the mind of the Prophet wasallam, you know, he's probably thinking that this is a rare opportunity to educate and to invite the leaders of the Quraysh who were there. Uh, and that, you know, it is more important. And, and you know, mashallah, Abdullah ibn Maktoum is already a believer. He is a, a great, you know, Sahabi. Uh, and his question perhaps could wait, you know, because this opportunity is a very rare opportunity. So as a reaction, the Prophet ﷺ frowned and turned away. Right? And on this, Surah Abasa was revealed. And subhanAllah, I just realized, and this is the beauty of the Quran, you know, you recite it and you reflect upon it. And then every time like some, some new, you know, uh, meaning or some like new reflection comes up. And subhanAllah, you know, the fact that Abdullah ibn Maktoum was blind. So he actually wouldn't know that the Prophet ﷺ frowned. Or what kind of facial expression the Prophet ﷺ made. And like he wouldn't know that because he, he was visually impaired, right? He was blind. But subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, made that expression, that facial expression that probably lasted a few moments, right? He, he made that apparent to Abdullah ibn Maktoum, right? Even though he was visually impaired and he was probably was not able to see that expression, right? And uh, it, became, it becomes part of the Quran, of course, because it's revealed in, uh, in, in the surah. And it revealed to show that Allah's dislike for, uh, for, for this act, even though it was, it was seemingly very minor, right? It was seemingly very minor. It's not like, you know, he, he brushed him aside or, you know, or, or like said something, you know, hurtful to him. Nothing. It was just, it was just a frown, right? An expression, a facial expression. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called it out and, and, and gave directions for the future, right? As a lesson, right? For, for all of us, for the ummah. And after that, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, subhanAllah, would address Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum radiallahu anhu with words of humility that welcome unto him on whose account my sustainer has rebuked me. Welcome unto him upon whose account my sustainer has rebuked me. SubhanAllah. This is, you know, the, the beauty of the character and the humility of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The best of creation, the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the final messenger, but here, you know, is, is a lesson, and he, he took it to heart, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he, he would, uh, you know, welcome Abdullah ibn Maktoum radiallahu anhu with these beautiful words. In another story, Ata ibn Abi Rabah says that Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu said to me, that ala urikum ra'atam min ahl al-jannah, that shall I show you a woman of the people of Jannah? Shall I show you a people? Of the woman, uh, uh, sorry, a, a woman of the people of Jannah, of the people of paradise. So Ata says that, I said, Bada, yes, definitely, show me this, this woman who's from the people of Jannah. So he told him, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhum, I told him of a lady who came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and said, I get attacks of epilepsy. I get attacks, I have seizures uh, uh, of epilepsy and my body becomes uncovered. So please invoke Allah for me. Please make du'a for me because I have this condition. So the Prophet ﷺ said to her that in shi'ti sabarti walakil jannah. If you wish, be patient and you will have jannah. You will enter into paradise. Why? Because of this condition that she has. Because of this illness that she has. If you wish, be patient and you will have jannah. Wa in shi'ti And if you wish, I will invoke Allah, I will make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to cure you, to cure you. So she said, I will remain patient. What did she choose? She had a choice. If you wish, the Prophet said, be patient and you will have Jannah. If you wish, 
I can make dua to Allah to cure you. So she said, I will remain patient. Meaning she chose Jannah. Because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi what could be greater than that, right? Like, in shi'ti sabarti walakil Jannah. You know, if you want, just be patient and you'll have Jannah. Jannah is yours. So, like, for her, subhanAllah, even though she had this, this, this struggle, this challenge, this illness, she, she chooses to be patient. She says, you know, I'd rather have Jannah. You know, so I will remain patient. But she adds, you know, but I become uncovered. So please make dua to Allah, invoke Allah for me, that I may not become uncovered. So the Prophet ﷺ made dua for her with regards to that, but she chose Jannah. She chose to be patient. Now this also shows, my brothers and sisters, that the Prophet ﷺ, you know, dealt with her kindly, of course, number one. Uh, uh, and the person with the disability, with this illness, wasn't ashamed of being forthcoming about the challenges that they face. Right? She wasn't ashamed of approaching the Prophet ﷺ and asking him for help, asking him for dua. And it also shows the reward. It also, also shows the reward that a person stands to gain due to the hardships that they face because of a disability or because of an, of an illness. And of course, persons with disabilities were also excused from commandments in which there is difficulty. Right? Even now, when a person is not able to you know, uh, do something which is required or which is an obligation. Right? If a person does not have the capability, the ability, then they are not mukallaf and they are not accountable, they are not responsible for acting upon that particular injunction or they are responsible for only doing that which they are capable of doing. Now finally, our religion also shows us that disability is not an impediment to achievement. That having a disability is not an achievement, to, is, is not an impediment, sorry, to achievement. For example, Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam, right, famously had the speech impediment. Didn't stop him from continuing his mission as, as a prophet of Allah. You know, uh, of course he made the famous dua, uh, right, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to untie the knot in his tongue, uh, perhaps the stutter that he had. Uh, but the point is that when, you know, there is a weakness, when there is a disability, a challenge, uh, physically or mentally, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove it or to make it easy for us. Abdullah ibn Maktoum radiallahu anhu who we just talked about, he later on he was made in charge of Madinah al-Munawwara by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam during his absence, even though he was someone who was visually impaired. There was also Julaybib radiallahu anhu, who, you know, we, what we learn from the text is that he was, uh, you know, a, a virtually a social outcast due to his disabilities, which are not described in specific terms, but it seems that he was you know, of significantly short stature, and perhaps he may have had some other physical differences as well. And the Prophet ﷺ took special care of this man. The Prophet ﷺ was looking out for him. But society was not at the time. But the Prophet ﷺ set the example and set the bar very high because he was the one who was looking out for him. He took special care for him. He arranged a marriage for him. You know, he went to great lengths to actually, uh, you know, to 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 uh, to get him married in a very nice way. And uh, Julaybib radiAllahu anhu, he took part in a battle in which he fought heroically, and no one noticed that he was missing except the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, who mourned his loss and he said of him that he is of me and I am of him to show closeness to Julaybib radiAllahu anhu. Ata ibn Abi Rabah. I mentioned earlier was known to walk with a limp. It was also, you know, paralyzed at some point. And, and there's an interesting point. And uh, you know, Candy, the Canadian Association for Muslims with Disabilities, notes 
that it is hard to find clear references to disability in early Islamic history. It's actually hard to find clear references. Why? Because people with disabilities were integrated and included into Muslim society. And it's also worth noting that the focus was not on people's disabilities, but rather their abilities. Right? The focus is on what they are still capable of doing, what they are still able to contribute, as opposed to you know, defining them or framing them because of a disability that, uh, that they may have that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to them. So what do we need to do, my brothers and sisters? So number one, you know, think inclusively. Right? I was going to say be inclusive in everything that we do, but rather you know, it starts from thinking inclusively. Right? So that whenever we are uh, making uh, you know, a, a decision, we think of who it's going to impact, who can participate in it, even if it's for private you know, matters and gatherings. Of course, nowadays we have uh, the pandemic, so you know, gatherings are, of course, limited. But, you know, for example, uh, if you're having a, a, a large gathering, if you're having a wedding, uh, you know, an aqiqa, if you're, if you're having, you know, inviting people from the community, try to be inclusive in different ways. You know, we learned that uh, a, a marriage, for example, a walima, uh, should not be, you know, uh, with, uh, should not be for, uh, you know, a particular uh, uh, social segment of, of society or a particular socioeconomic status. You know, it should include people, ideally, you know, of, of different, uh, of different walks of life from the community so that there's more blessings, there's more barakah, and it is not an exclusive event for, uh, you know, for example, particular, particularly people who are well off. Um, but we can expand that to include, you know, people uh, who have, uh, you know, disabilities, persons with disabilities who face other challenges, who may not always be included, who may not always be invited, uh, and also to, to, make, to, to show love and to include them in our events and our gatherings as well. Um, when it comes to our community, of course, to ensure that the masjid is accessible, uh, especially when it comes to you know shoes being on the ground, that's a major, major issue for people. Can be for uh, a major issue for pe- for persons with disabilities. Something minor for everyone else. Okay, so you come in, people you know many times will leave shoes by the door on the ground, not thinking much of it, but it could be a major tripping hazard, and it could also you know essentially not allow a person to come in if they're using a wheelchair or if they're using a, a walker, as an example. Um, you know, ensuring that uh, doors uh, that are required to be accessible now in public places to make sure that they're actually working and that they're actually unlocked. Um, you know, treating everyone with dignity and respect and avoiding, you know, inappropriate and offensive names, you know, inappropriate and offensive names that perhaps you may be used to uh, using in the past. But today, you know, we've moved on and we don't consider those terms to be appropriate to refer to our brothers and sisters uh, with disabilities. Um, and also to ensure that, you know, they're not pitied or shunned away uh, when someone has an intellectual disability or a mental illness, right? And a classic example of, you know, a family comes to the masjid and uh, perhaps they have a child with a disability, right? Perhaps they have a child who suffers from autism or, you know, some, some other uh, condition and they're not able to control the child, right? They're not able to get the child to sit quietly in a corner or with them. Um, uh, you know, so creating an environment where everyone feels welcome to come to the masjid, and when we have an instance where uh, you know a person comes to the masjid uh, and they're not you know able to to uh, to control themselves, they're not able to uh, sit or and worship in a way that we expect. That we are tolerant and we are patient. That we are tolerant, we are compassionate, and we are patient with them. Um, and of course, um, uh, making available the services for our deaf and blind brothers and sisters that they need to learn about Islam uh, through our masajid to ensure that our buildings, our centers are designed in a fully accessible manner so that 
Our brothers and sisters using wheelchairs and crutches and canes can safely enter and move within the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, having uh, programs where families who are caring with children for children with severe disabilities find supporting environments at Muslim events and at Muslim gatherings. Uh, so, you know, these are things that I've listed up easily or quickly, uh, but they, they require effort, they require planning, and they require care and concern uh, in order to incorporate them into every aspect of our community. Uh, so that is easier said than done, and that is something that is for every single member of our community to look out for and to take care of. May I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us patience to support one another. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give everyone good health. And we ask Allah azza wa jal to strengthen our brothers and sisters uh, who are, are, are uh, persons with disabilities. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make things easy for them and their family members and for all of us. Ameen ya rabbal alameen. Uh, we have some sad news. Uh, our dear elder brother, Ahmad al-Shanawani, his brother has passed away two weeks away, uh, uh, two weeks after his uh, nephew had returned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'oon. And also our brother uh, Asad Tahir, his uncle has passed away in the UK as well. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'oon. Let us make dua for them and all of those who have passed away. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma qfillahum wa rahamhum wa aafihim wa aafu anhum. وأكرم نزلهم ووسع مدخلهم واغسلهم بالماء والثلج والبرد ونقهم من الخطايا كما ينقى الثوب الأبيض من الدنس اللهم أبدلهم دارا خيرا من دارهم وأهلا خيرا من أهلهم وادخلهم الجنة وعذهم من عذاب القبر ومن عذاب النار اللهم اجعل قبورهم روضة من رياض الجنة يا رب العالمين اللهم الحقهم بالرفيق الأعلى اللهم ارفع درجاتهم في المهديين واغفر لنا ولهم يا الله وافسح لهم في قبرهم يا رب العالمين Oh Allah, please grant beautiful patience to the loved ones at this difficult time. Oh Allah, make them a means for continued reward for those who have returned to you. Oh Allah, heal the grief in their hearts, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Oh Allah, please forgive us for all of our minor and major sins. Oh Allah, please purify our hearts. Oh Allah, please purify our minds in every way. Oh Allah, please uh, give us the ability to return to you in a good way, in a good state, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Oh Allah, please purify our minds and our hearts. Fill our hearts with the light of Iman, with the strength of taqwa, with love for you and your book and your beloved sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Oh Allah, please envelop all of us in your uh, unseen protection, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Oh Allah, please cure all of those who are ill and who are facing hardships and struggles with regards to their health and their bodies, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Oh Allah, all of our brothers and sisters, our children, our youth, our elders with disabilities and with physical and mental challenges, oh Allah, make things easy for them and for their families, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Oh Allah, please reward them for all that they go through, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Oh Allah, our elder sister who is in pain and weakness. Oh Allah, our brother and sister living with long-term pains and injuries and disabilities. Oh Allah, our elder pioneers who are, el who are ill with cancer and other illnesses. Brother Muntaz, Dr. Habibur Rahman and others as well. Oh Allah, anyone who is ill, who is injured. Oh Allah, please cure them all, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Oh Allah, please grant them strength, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Oh Allah, you are the cure and the healer. Oh Allah, please grant them all the speedy and completely recovery, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma Rabbil Nas, adhib al-ba'as, shfihimu anta shafi, la shifa illa shifa'uk, shifa'an la yugadiru saqma. Allahumma shfihim shifa'an ajidan, kamilan min kulli da. Oh Allah, please grant relief to all of those experiencing distress, anxiety, or grief, or depression, or any other type of suffering, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, please grant them happiness and ease and peace, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Oh Allah, please remove trials and the hardships from the lives of all of our brothers and sisters, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Oh Allah, at this moment, so many are living through grief. Oh Allah, so many are being abused. Oh Allah, so many are being tortured. Oh Allah, so many are being beaten. 
Oh Allah, so many are living in a state of hunger. Oh Allah, so many are cold. Oh Allah, so many are homeless. Oh Allah, please help them all, Ya Rabbul Alameen. Oh Allah, please remove their hardships and their difficulties, Ya Rabbul Alameen. Oh Allah, please grant them strength to succeed through all these trials and tribulations, Ya Rabbul Alameen. Allahumma anta rabbuna, la ilaha illa ant, falaktana wa nahnu abiduk, wa nahnu ala ahdika wa wa'dika mastata'na. نعوذ بك من شر ما صنعنا نبوء لك بنعمتك علينا ونبوء بذنوبنا فاغفر لنا إنه لا يغفر الذنوب إلا أنت اللهم ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من القاسرين اللهم ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار اللهم ربنا لا تزق قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا فهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب اللهم إنا نسألك العفو والعافية والمعافاة الدائمة في الدين والدنيا والآخرة اللهم إنا نسألك الهدى والتقى والعفاف والغنى اللهم أزبر علينا لباس الصحة والعافية وجعلها عونا لنا على طاعتك ومرضاتك يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم إنا نعوذ بك من الفتن ما ظهر منها وما بطن اللهم آت نفوسنا تقواها وزكها أنت خير من زكاها أنت وليها ومولاها اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وارنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه اللهم كن لنا ولا تكن علينا اللهم اختم بالسعادة بالسعادة آجالنا وحقق بالزيادة أعمالنا واقرن بالعافية قدونا وآصالنا ومن علينا بإصلاح عيوبنا واجعل التقوى زادنا يا رب العالمين اللهم ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين واجعلنا للمتقين إماما اللهم إنا نسألك فعل الخيرات وترك المنكرات وحب المساكين وأن تغفر لنا وترحمنا فإذا هاردت بقوم فتنة فاقبضنا إليك غير مفتونين يا رب العالمين اللهم إنا نعوذ بك من زوال نعمتك وتحول عافيتك وفجاءة نقمتك وجميع سخطك يا رب العالمين اللهم إنا نعوذ بك من الهم والحزن والعز والكسل والبخل والجبن ودلع الدين وغلبة الرجال اللهم اكفنا بحلالك حرامك واغننا بفضلك عمن سواك اللهم عز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم عز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم حر المسجونين المظلومين خصوصا في بلاد المسلمين يا رب العالمين اللهم أسلح حوال المسلمين في كل مكان اللهم ألف بين قلوب المسلمين ووحد صفوفهم واصلح قادتهم واجمع كلمتهم للحق يا رب العالمين اللهم حرر فلسطين والمسجد الأقصى يا رب العالمين اللهم احفظ وانصر إخواننا وأخواتنا في كل مكان خصوصا في بورما وفي فلسطين وفي الصين وفي كشمير وفي الهند وفي سوريا وفي العراق وفي اليمن وفي سريلانكا وفي سومال وفي أفغانستان وفي ليبيا وفي كل مكان اللهم انصر المستضعفين في كل مكان وحقق لهم النصر والفتح المبين يا رب العالمين وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين زاكم الله خير my brothers and sisters just want to update you with regards to our rise uh, with sugar campaign as you know our campaign is ongoing right now alhamdulillah thanks to your generous support may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all you have reached 17% so that's 51,500 uh, 51 $1,500 raised out of $300,000 target, alhamdulillah. Um, we just need uh, 248 people to donate $1,000, which is about approximately $640 after your tax credit. Inshallah, we will reach our goal uh, for uh, this campaign. Uh, you know, I was just uh, looking around. Uh, for those of you who are in the Ask Canada WhatsApp group, there's 256 members on that group. 
Our Musalla WhatsApp group has 196 people. MashaAllah, we get approximately 300 people in these three uh, Jum'ah congregations here. Uh, 2,800 followers, alhamdulillah, for KMA on uh, Facebook. Uh, now, of course, not everyone can give $1,000. We recognize that. But if everyone pitches this, uh, pitches in, myself included, if every everyone pitches in whatever they can, 1,000 if you can, if not, then less, then inshallah, we will be able to easily, easily reach our goal, inshallah. Uh, and of course, it is, uh, again, uh, not just so we create buildings and, and look at them and say, mashallah, we have a nice masjid, but really to deliver the services that we've been talking about and the community really needs. Uh, so we look uh, uh, forward to your support. Jazakumullah khaira. There's many ways that you can donate. Uh, first and foremost, we have the machines outside. Um, you can also donate online easily. Just go to kanadamuslims.ca slash donate. There's all the information. You can send an e-transfer. You can give through PayPal giving fund where there's 0% fees. No fees are deducted. You will get your tax receipt right away. You can also donate online in installments. You can donate daily, monthly. Like there's multiple, multiple options, mashallah. So kanadamuslims.ca slash donate. Jazakumullah khaira. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.